Live with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620, WVMT. Oh, I can't quite do that this morning. We are back on the morning drive, everybody. Welcome back. And uh, on this Thursday morning, Kurt and Anthony here. And we are pleased, as always, to have Rob Roper with us. Good morning, Rob. Hey, guys. Good morning. So you've got some uh, great articles that I've just read. I know we both just read, which mm-hmm. is let's start with uh, let's start with the pay raise one. You, you, <laughs> you, the headline of it was that this one actually has corruption with it. And I hadn't thought about this angle. So tell us what you're what you're talking about when you say that not only is this raise, you know, they they whittled it back a little bit. They don't have the health care in, in there, but uh, the pay raise is still significant. But I hadn't thought about this particular ang- angle that you brought up in this column. Well, I mean, a li- just a little bit of background. Last year, the the Democrats and the progressives, the supermajority, uh, they, they passed a, a, a pay raise bill for legislators that doubled everybody's salary and gave them a very generous health care package benefit mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, if you, if you had a similar part-time job as a normal Vermonter, you wouldn't qualify. So it's kind of, kind of special. And it, it, you know, really raised from, you know, if you cobble together all of the, the salary, the benefit, the, the food, the lodging, all that stuff, I think it's somewhere in the low twenties is what it comes out to is your compensation for being a legislator. And, they raised it as like with the health care and all. It was like a fifty thousand dollar a year package. Well, they they've scaled it back this year. They're they're not giving up. They're not giving up. I mean, they're they're taxing the heck out of everybody else. They're making it everybody else poorer, but they're there to make themselves richer, some one way or another. So this time, uh, they say, okay, well, we'll we'll scale it back and we'll get rid of the health care benefit. Of course, they're keeping in this little study committee that's going to recommend that hey, you got to put that health back in about a year, uh, but. But for now, so, so what they say is, okay, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to lower everybody's salary, except we're going to have these big pay increases for the committee chairs. Wait, wait, you don't mean lower, lower from last lower year? Lower from last year. Lower I'm, from like, my, is my yeah, mic it's, working right? It's still going to go way up. It's, 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 yeah, that's what I was going to I want to make sure. So lower, every, it from, lower it from last year's package. Lowering it from last year's package. But everybody, So everybody's going to get a raise. But the kicker in this new bill is that the committee chairs get a, a really big raise. And uh, as the Speaker of the House and the Senate President pro tem, and there are about, by my my calculation, I think there's like 34 committee chairs between the House and the Senate, and then you tack on those th- those two people. They're all Democrats. Uh, so basically, what they're saying is, we're going to give a huge pay raise to a lot of Democrats. And no Republicans, except you know, the two major, it's the two minority leaders, uh, the majority the majority leaders. So there's one one Republican majority leader in the House, a majority leader in the Senate, and the same for the Democrats. And then all so, the committee chairs. And all the committee chairs, except there's two token Republicans. There's sort of this tradition that you, you throw a bone uh, to the opposing party. And so there's a, one Republican, Mike Marcotte, it's a Republican from Coventry who uh, heads up the Economic Development Committee. And in the Senate, it's uh, Russ Ingalls heads up the the uh, institutions committee. But my question is, you know, w- th- there's going to be like a ten thousand dollar delta between a rank and file uh, House member or Senate member and a committee chair. Ten thousand, not quite. It's like nine thousand some. But it, but it, that's a big amount of money. That's like a twenty five percent difference in what they're talking about the overall uh, overall pay raise. So if you're the Democratic leader in the on the committee on committees in the Senate or the Speaker of the House, 
are you really gonna throw that bone uh, when you've got one of your own members who's, who's who can say uh you know throw me that extra 10 grand a year i could i could use it you know mama needs a new pair of shoes so in other words are you saying like if if a committee chair didn't do exactly what uh, the speaker wanted or the president well, pro tem wanted or, or whatever it may be in leadership that now where they could say, listen, we, 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 we know this has happened before. We can strip you of your chairmanship. Yeah. Uh, but now they could, now it would be not just, you might lose your chair, but you might lose $10,000. Yeah. You might lose 10,000 or, uh, Hey, if, if you want that extra 10 grand, a, a chairmanship is opening up and, and this is the real problem. So the, the money thing, is just a partisan money grab. I mean, it's just, laughably blatant but but yeah this is the real corruption that i see happening is if you want to right now i think there's too much lockstep as it is that you know these these folks aren't thinking for themselves they're not listening to their constituents they're listening to what leadership is telling them to do but when you start talking real money uh you know hey you want to keep that chairmanship and that 10 grand you better get on board with the bill that i'm telling you to get on board with you know from the speaker from the president pro tem from from the party leadership um, and I, I just think that that is a, a bad dynamic to introduce to the state house. That's already pretty messed up. Yeah, I, it um, it's incredibly concerning. Incredibly concerning. Uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Morning, Mr. Roper. I'm not sure if you're being playful or if you're sort of being honest. First of all, when members of the legislature raise taxes, it's on them too. They're Vermonters. They don't exempt themselves from any, any tax increases. So there's that. But secondly, the reason why um, Republicans wouldn't be receiving these raises as committee chairs is because they don't win elections. Perhaps they should try that, and then they would be committee chairs. Uh, yeah, but the dynamic still would exist for Republicans, that the, you'd have a Republican speaker then doling out these $10,000 benefits to favored people. And it's just not, it's not a healthy dynamic. So if, if, and, if, 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 and I don't think the Republicans would introduce this, but, but if it was a group of Republicans, you'd just simply still be opposed to it. Oh uh, yes, of course. I mean, this, this is, it's, it's a, it's a corruption bill. It, it, and, and I don't think that the Democrats in, in Vermont think that they're going to be losing the majority anytime soon. They've got a super majority now. It's 106 Democrats to uh, 37 Republicans. Even if there's a Republican wave in, you know, the next couple of years, they've had, they've held the majority solid since 2004. Right. Uh, so they don't think they're going to lose it. And this is just, you know, sort of, oh, well, we'll just give it to the committee chairs. Well, it just so happens. <laughs> now, know? do you think do you think that this will happen? This this it's still a, I think the report said 74 percent increase for legislators salaries. Yeah. Everybody a, gets a raise along Every- and a big one. Um, and but the the uh, campaign for Vermont poll that you mentioned in your column and we had Ben Kinsley on the show the other day shows, as you identified, shows that. The vast majority of citizens in this poll, if you want to believe the poll or not believe it, say that uh, we would be less likely to vote for a candidate that would support something like this. Yeah, um, but I, I think they're going to do it anyway. Uh, they're going to try. I mean, they, I'm not sure. They didn't have the votes to override the governor's veto. Last. It was one vote in the Senate, one vote in the Senate. Um, but I think that they're going to try again because, you know, Kurt, it, it's they have this supermajority now that they can override the governor pretty much at will i saw that the governor sustained the bottle bill veto that great but uh you know that that's that's the outlier here and if you've been seeing like on, on the news all these like organized smash and grab robberies of like nordstrom's and stuff in the city 
that's what's going on in the state house right now with the supermajority. They have smashed into the treasury, and they are grabbing everything that they can possibly throw into that shopping cart and get out in case they lose this. Uh, you know, in ca- I don't think they're going to lose the majority. Uh, it would take a huge wave, but they could lose six or eight seats, and and the you know if Governor Scott stays in there, they can sustain those vetoes. So they're 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 throwing everything in the cart. Now you know people listening on the left. Democrats, legislators on the left are not going to like that analogy you just used. <laughs> Smash and grab. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. If we don't get them out of the majority, then uh, we might as well start calling the state Somalia. <laughs> well, I, it is, um, you know, elections have consequences. Um, I, I think that you couple the pay raise with the fact that they've introduced a bill to make 32 hours uh, a full work week. or or So it, it, it's going to be legislated as uh, four eight-hour days or five six-and-a-half-hour days. So now now I understand the lo- their logic in saying, well, we have to be full-time because we can only work six-and-a-half hours a day. Yes. Yeah. I, I am... I'm, I'm I'm dumbfounded that that this is this is where we're at. Oh well, it, it's just you know they're throwing everything to the cart. Oh, it, you know, every every sort of the, the Santa Claus wish list of the progressive left is they're they're throwing it in the cart. Oh, let's have a six day work week. Oh, let's have you know lethal legal injection sites. Let's decriminalize methamphetamines and and heroin and all that. I mean that's. S three hundred. That's a bill that's that, that's being debated now. Let's take uh, the cap off wealth marijuana tax. THC content. Yeah, let it be as strong the, as possible. Yeah, and let they're, they're legalizing meth and heroin and cocaine, and they are increasing the THC content allowable for legal marijuana, and they're banning flavored vapes. Yeah, at the same, these are the same people. Yeah, I mean, and it makes no. It, it's it's just the wish list. Now, but, what know, if you heard about single payer? That's coming back. I have heard. I haven't seen. I haven't seen a bill uh, for for the single payer stuff, but but certainly that that that's always been there. But you know, it's it's wealth taxes. Yeah. Oh, that's the other one I, I was mean, going to ask you about. They're in the Ways and Means Committee now. They're talking about having a a, a surcharge on upper income people, mm-hmm. a surcharge on the income tax, and they're talking about an assets tax. We made the. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And um, uh, undeclared income, basically, uh, if if your house, uh, if if your asset went up, we're going to tax you on how much it went up. Even if you still own it and, and you haven't done anything, you haven't monetized it, you got to pay a tax on, on something that you haven't even monetized. No, um, we made the New York Times. Uh, the state of Vermont was in the New York Times. I think it was yesterday, day before yesterday, about the wealth tax. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, on the, that's on the progressive less Santa Claus wish list, and it, it's going in the cart. Um, it last, last, the first year of the session, 2023, they passed the, the payroll tax, which is something that they've been wanting to do oh, for yeah. a long time. They're, they're discussing the renewable uh, energy standard that we have now to push it back to 2003 and go 100% renewable by 2030, push it back a few years to 2030. That's going to be $800 million estimated higher electric bills that our little 240,000 uh, households are going to have to pay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's insane. It doesn't work. And I, 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 again, when I, when I see it pushed this hard, I ask the, the larger question is, are they trying to break it? I, I, I think they're just so arrogant at this point. I mean, at the, the first caller was, was right. You know, the Republicans have to start winning elections. And 
And as as Kurt pointed out from the poll, 77% of Vermonters are less likely to vote for somebody who votes for this. And, you know, the, the, the tax that they did on the home heating fuel last year against the will of thousands of people who called up, uh, they're doing it anyway because they think they can get away with it. If Republicans don't run against these people, you can't. You can't kick him out. Can't win with nobody. But the Republicans, um, uh, Governor Scott, it looks like, and his maybe his team are going to be more involved in trying to find candidates that the governor can get behind. Because I, I know so. we've talked with you about that as well, and we have callers that call and say the governor needs to use his political capital here. Because he otherwise you you are sort of powerless uh, for the most part because the supermajority is flexing its muscles, and they seem to think that their mandate's bigger than the governor's. Yeah, and they they have a mandate because they they got elected. But you know, last time uh, in in twenty twenty two, Republicans only ran. I think it was seventy eight uh, races for one hundred and fifty house seats, meaning sixty two. And, and were... yeah, can't win a majority. I mean, with that, and they won thirty seven thirty seven of those races. So you you've got you know my my friends. Uh, the late wonderful George Chavon, uh, who you served with for a time, and and, uh, and Frank Major as well. Uh, when I was chairman of the party, they they told me, you know, when we re- when we won the majority, and it was two thousand to two thousand and four, we had one hundred and thirty five candidates. candidates running for for the one hundred and fifty house seats. That's what it takes. So so people need to step up. People need to run. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Uh, in t- talking about your shopping cart and what these uh, progressive Democrats want, maybe they should think about putting some brains in there for themselves <laughs> since they're only out there shopping for themselves. That's my comment. Okay. Well, uh, I, I do think, though, that there needs to be a collective call um, for people to get involved. You know, and I understand, you know, um, we have to talk about the and it's a big elephant. It's not a donkey. It's a big elephant. A lot of people will won't get involved when there's Donald Trump at the top of the ticket in Vermont as a Republican because the entire election is consumed with, well, you're a MAGA guy, so we're not voting for you. Done. An end of end of conversation. Yeah, no, I mean, Donald Trump is not popular in Vermont, that's for sure. And I think, you know, Vermont Republicans, whether you're a Trump supporter or not a Trump supporter, have to come to the realization, Donald Trump's not going to win Vermont. And our three electoral votes aren't going to be decisive one way or the other in in the presidential uh, race. So let's focus on state issues. Yeah. Let's just, you know, let the rest of the country deal with Trump versus Biden or whoever it is. I don't. I still don't think it's going to end up being Biden, but whoever it is, that race, we've got problems here that we need to solve, and that's where our focus needs to. Rob, right, we got a few minutes left. I want to make sure we hit a couple of the issue of the other columns that you just wrote. Which one of was <laughs> you t- entitled? Um, My constituents want school it. choice, and I need to stop them. Oh yeah, what? yeah. This was, <laughs> and I know you're talking about a legislator who I I personally like, Lawrence, Laura Sebelia from Dover, Dover, Dover. But uh, tell us what I know you you watch this in the committee. Well, yeah, this is another big issue is they're trying to go that's going in the shopping cart, which is the the Vermont NEA and the school boards association, the principals, they're all part of this education bureaucracy that is very much in bed with the Democratic Party. And uh, they want their stuff in the shopping cart, too. And the thing that they want in their shopping cart is to eliminate independent schools and, and to, you know, 
recapture all those children that are getting a great education in places like Burn Burton, St. Johnsbury Academy, Long Trail School, and put them back into the public school system with all of the money and staffing that, that comes with that. So, And is this sort of taking advantage of the main Supreme Court ruling? Yeah, a little bit. You know, there's a main Supreme Court ruling that said that you have to allow uh, religious schools to participate in, in statewide school choice programs. You don't have to have the school choice program, uh, but if you do, you have to. You can't discriminate based on religion. So they're saying, oh, well, let's get rid of all of the independent schools then so we don't have to send any money to the religious uh, the religious schools. Uh, Fifty-two kids uh, use, currently use vouchers to send to the religious schools out of, of like 80,000 uh, public school students. But they're, they're, they're like clutching their pearls so laura sebelius down there she's she comes from a district that has school choice in it and some of the towns do some of the towns don't and there are a lot of little schools where the the education quality has really fallen off um last time i was on the show or a couple times we talked about the llama f-bomb yeah the teacher was just putting the kids in front of the television letting them watch music videos all day well schools like that are considering closing you know, the communities are saying, we're going to close this school and we're going to give our school kids school choice. Why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, pick, you know, take the, the 17,500 voucher and go to whatever school best fits your need. Well, Sibelia sees that her, this is what her communities want to do. It's like, no. He's like, a, she's alarmed. She's, saying yeah, she's, she's like, alarmed no, you can't her. take, you can't have school. You can't close your public school and have school choice. So she's pushing for if you, if you close your school, you have to designate a public school, one to three public schools. Uh, and you can't send your, you know, th- there could be a great independent school in that town or in the town right next to it. No, you got to drive the 20 miles to the nearest public school uh, if, if you want to do it. It's just, it's just so arrogant. It's like, and it's it's not that they don't listen to their constituents. It's that they're, they're, they listen and have contempt. <laughs> yeah, my constituents want this. I would, and it alarms me that they want it. So I'm going to go in a different direction. And not only that, but. To me, the more we expand school choice right now, where public schools are doing things that I think some parents are alarmed by, yeah, there ought to be more school choice, not less. There should be more, and it, that you know, going back to that poll that Ben uh, Kinsley was talking about the other day, uh, they asked about, do you think that Vermont schools are providing a quality education for our kids? Fifty percent of Vermonters, or fifty-two percent, something like that, said no. But if you look at the cross tabs, if you were a parent with kids in the school system, that number goes up to over 75% say no. We're not giving our kids a good education. Mm-hmm. We really need to step back and reform what we're doing. Instead, another thing that's going in the cart is universal preschool for you know birth to five. If, if they're understaffed, the schools are not providing a quality education. They're not teaching kids to read properly. And, and and they're not safe yeah. anymore. They don't have the you know the, the qualified. Time. Why would you expand it to put younger kids into that environment? It, it doesn't make sense. But the, the smash and grab is going on, and it's going in the cart. Well, it's very frustrating. I have a lot of friends who work in schools, and um, you know the, you can't say it, but uh, a lot of the reason why there isn't an opportunity to teach students or to have time to teach students. There's an amazing amount of state mandated things that they have to do um, that have nothing really to do with education now. And so the, the question in, in, inside this whole thing is you have all this top down coming. You, you need to do this. You need to make sure that this is happening. This is happening. The feeding everything. Um, and yet they keep throwing more stuff at them. Rob, isn't this where does it end? Isn't this another example of the supermajority? I mean, the supermajority um, who, you know, frankly, they, the NEA has some pretty con- solid control over the supermajority. They do. 
Yeah, and, and you know everybody. Everybody, you know, you look at the VPR crowd and everything that's going in the cart on environmental stuff. I talked about the renewable energy standard. They got the clean heat carbon tax on heating fuels. There's another one that's coming along the pike on that's going to be for gasoline and diesel motor fuels as part of the Global Warming Solutions Act. Uh, they've banned the sale of electric, uh, I mean, of internal combustion engine vehicles by 2035. It's ramping down now. Nobody wants the cars. I mean, that some people do. I mean, that's fine technology, but not to the extent that they want. But that's all on the Santa Claus wish list, and it's all going in the cart. We're almost out of time, Rob. In fact, we really are, but we haven't even got to overdose prevention center. So give us a quick minute on on they, they appropriated two million dollars right yeah the, 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 for the two overdose pre- pre- prevention centers and you know they're, they're called safe injection sites and that is compiled in new york they're to say oh these, these work in new york in new york in the 10 block the testimony was you have to be within a 10 block radius to walk to these things for them to be any good in new york the 10 block radius where these two sites are contain 1.2 million people, which is twice the population of the state of Vermont, in that 10-block radius that serves the, the injection site. There's no place that has that kind of population density that works here. All you're going to do is create, you know, basically it's a legalized drug den. And this S300 that I just mentioned that came out is going to legalize the sale of, of recreational methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, all, all those drugs, hallucinogenics. So you can have these people dealing in these sites uh, small amounts, you know, for, for just enough, just enough uh, with no consequence and no age limit. And quick, just quickly, Rob, respond to the, the proponents of this who would say, but look, these things have been proven and shown to save lives for people that are addicted to drugs and die of an overdose. And it will clean up all the needles that are all over the place. Give me a quick response uh, to that. I, I'm sure that there probably are some examples where you can point to positive outcomes that came from these things. And I don't want to d- diminish that, but it, it doesn't work in the setting that we have. And it, in Oregon, if you want to look at Oregon with the legalization or decriminalization of all these hard drugs, the, the Democrats in Oregon actually just put a bill in to repeal it. Because basically what it created was open-air drug markets where people were dealing drugs you know decriminalized they're having deaths on the streets it was it's it's a mess out there and that's exactly the path that we're following and And, it makes no sense and you have a finite amount of resources and a finite amount of resources to put into it so and they don't have the you know it's like well if if somebody if we decriminalize the drugs it'll take away the stigma and the people will feel comfortable coming forward to get treatment but that really has not been the the reality of of when when these things have been put in people it, it destigmatizes it and they just start doing it in public rob roper that's uh that went by fast we covered a few few of your columns a few great topics but thanks for being on the morning drive as always thanks and it's robertroper.substack.com if you want to read the full stories on the stuff we didn't touch thanks guys appreciate it thanks for coming in rob all right we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to chat with the uh, deputy commissioner of liquor and law